Hey everyone, and welcome to Off the Beaten Clef. Today, we are discussing the evolution of the music listening experience, Kevin. Hell yeah. So let's get into it. So we're here, and we're discussing the evolution of the music listening experience. Now, if you're hearing this, um, we are recording this in early July because uh, we kind of wanted to put some stuff in the vault, and I thought this was going to be a good way to, if we're taking some time off in August, it would be a good starting off point because this is a really fun discussion, at least for me, to kind of discuss where we started with music, where we've how we've gotten here and i think it's we are in this weird age range where music and the music listening experience has changed so much drastically throughout our lifetime that i think it would just be fun to kind of walk through it and talk about our experiences and they're not unique but they are for our for anyone younger than us it's just completely different everyone kind of starts off in a different area like even our parents you know you think back to how they digested music and the accessibility they had to music was completely different. So I just thought it would be a really fun conversation to have um, for the sake of the pod. What do you think? Uh, yeah, man. I, I uh, My journey through music has been a long, winding road. And uh, I wouldn't trade anything for it, man. It's I've, I've been through the ups and downs, been through a bunch of different phases, and uh, lived through some really interesting times in music, too. So uh, had a great guiding force and my older brother and now i've got ben to kind of guide me through a different genres that he likes and he's evolved so he's taken both mine and jason's blend of music and kind of formed his own and now we're all just we all still love music it's like one of the biggest things we all three have in common is a love for music and it's 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 cool to have that kind of bond with with uh with my brothers and i know we can always we'll always have something to talk about because there will always be music so um, yeah, I, I'm kind of excited to, to share the story because I know we've talked about it here and there as we talk about bands we like and how where they came from. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun to talk about our personal journeys. And I'm kind of excited to hear yours because I think it's kind of similar to mine, but we also grew up in different times a little bit too. Um, well, you're not that much younger than me, but in the time that we grew up, uh, six years is a is a fucking light year between between what we got to experience as far as like how to consume music. So it'll be fun. Yeah, the technology advanced so quickly throughout our adolescence that you know if you committed to, to listening to music a certain way, it was going to be obsolete in ten years, right? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I guess I'm going to start with my like personal like how early on I remember music and how I got started listening to music and music that was imprinted on me early. Like I, I remember we've, we've talked about POD, but I have like a visceral memory of like getting dropped off at, at kindergarten and my dad listening to Southtown by POD. And I was so embarrassed because I'm like, 
everyone's gonna think I listen to metal and I'm like a, a weirdo and I was so upset and I was like dad please do not play this one you pick me up and what do you know he's blaring Southtown again when I pull up um but he also my dad just listened to such like diverse music too I remember like he had a DMX um album that was clean which was so, looking back is so funny and I mm-hmm. remember having all the like and the oof and all, instead of like saying the curse oh, words, oh. He, would, he would just like bark, which kind of makes sense for him. And it was so funny that to think like I was just a little six year old kid listening to DMX clean because <laughs> my mom wouldn't let him buy the the, the explicit version. Um, <laughs> and then I remember like listening to like Christian music that was still went pretty hard like there was a song diving in by Stephen curtis chapman that like we would listen to before we go to like my kindergarten basketball games and i would like get me pumped up because the chorus was big and you know it really just (laughs) is telling that like even as like a five-year-old i was like this chorus rocks we gotta listen to this song again before we walk in um and i remember radio music um yeah radio was huge for me for most of my life honestly and I think the first song I really remember being imprinted by was Mbop by Hanson. That Yeah, see that this is so what I'm talking simple. about. Like that was that came out when I was in middle school, I think. So the fact that it's like one of the first things you had imprinted on you was like I had already like really started a big musical journey at that point. So it's gonna be interesting to see the kind of the dichotomy that we have. Yeah, that it was just like this song felt like it was people similar to my age and it was on the radio and it was like, fuck. Yeah. Like Disney channel wasn't huge at that point, but it was like, like someone similar to my age is singing this song and it's just like, it's cheery and fun. And like, you wanted to hear it over and over again, especially when you're young, repetitiveness never bothered you when you were young. Um, yeah. But yeah, what, what song do you remember first on the radio? Oh boy. Um uh, on the radio, um it's probably like the one I have vivid memories of mainly because I remember having my brother having the tape of it when we lived in California when I was like 5 or 6 years old was um Remember the Time by Michael Jackson. Um it was we were living there when that that album came out and i have been in lo- i've loved michael jackson ever since um really a lot of my musical memories come from mtv and uh watching music videos and uh, a little bit from the radio a little bit later on uh listening to 1039 the x uh in dayton was was a huge huge influence for me that was really the only radio station i ever listened to and it really shaped a lot of what i liked um but yeah, I would have to say probably Remember the Time by Michael Jackson. It's probably the first song I remember listening to over and over again um, on the radio and both on that cassette tape too. Because um, I would, I remember, I have a, it's one of my f- few vivid memories I have from California was um, putting that tape in a Walkman and like being out in my front yard and listening to it and like just like being amazed at the how cool the album art was or like the i guess cassette art so <laughs> but yeah like this so yeah michael jackson was huge for me beatles were always huge in my household um and metallica like my, i think i've told the story before where my mom tells me like if i was crying they would turn on a metallica song and it would put me right to sleep so i've been a metalhead <laughs> since since conception man yeah 
Yeah, it it is interesting. Like I've been collecting cassettes this year and the artwork just felt so cool, you know? Like uh-huh. it had that little sleeve you could slide it out and, and then there was like a lyric book inside and there that is something that you don't really get now unless you buy a vinyl and then you get that big sleeve and it has like the lyrics and stuff and I think that is cool that that kind of physical media is making its way back but I re- I just remember how excited you were to like go buy that tape and put it in for mm-hmm. the first time and yeah I I guess my next question for you because I'm going to answer it for myself is what were the first couple albums that you remember having and were like super important to you man the first the first album I ever bought with my own money was the Slim Shady LP um and I remember I got it. I think it was for my birthday. My parents took me to Best Buy up in Dayton somewhere. And I really, really fucking loved Eminem at that time. Like every every kid ever that grew up when Eminem was was popping off. And I, I asked my parents if I get it. They said, yes, I got it. And they're like, hey, let's, let's, let's throw that in. Let's see what it is. And it's like, I was still fairly, I would like... We were ra- I was kind of raised in the church. I don't think my parents ever really bought all that much into it, but they raised me to be kind of like, kind of a good boy. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It was nineties <laughs> morals and values for sure. Yeah. Even though they didn't truly really care if I cursed, but I never did in front of them for a very long time. So to throw in the Slim Shady LP in front of my dad and my mom was the most awkward shit I've ever had to do in my life. And they're like, they got like a couple songs in. I think they probably got to a Ken Kniff skit. And they're like, mm, okay, you can listen to the rest of it later. I said, thank fucking God. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's the one that's the one that really sticks out to me. Um, another one, um, fuck, I forget the name of the album. It was a Queens of the Stone Age album, the one that Dave Grohl played on. That one had a huge impact on me. Like in, I think it came out when I was in high school, either that or eighth grade or high school. And that one had a huge, huge impact on me. Um, again, that Michael Jackson Dangerous album, fucking huge, huge impact on my life. And man, oh yeah, um, fucking Sepultura Roots. That really started me on my like heavier metal metal journey. And that there's a cool story for that. We'll get into it a little bit later if you want. But those are just some of the albums that stick out to me. And then obviously. Beatles stuff. I watch. I grew up on Yellow Submarine, watching that movie goddamn near every day. So um, every every song from from that soundtrack really was just a huge part of my childhood. Yeah, I. That's really cool. I I, I think for me it was a little more like boy bandy stuff. Like mm-hmm. I remember the day I came home with that Baja Men, uh, who let the dogs out self titled album or the who let the dogs out album. I knew every word to every song and every interlude and it just like I had the CD player and it was playing on repeat and repeat and um, I don't know why I love that album so much. I think it's why I like beach music now. Like it just, yeah, it was just fun. And, and that song is, has like one of the greatest documentaries about like trying to trace back the origins of that song because it's like one of those songs that's always existed. But yeah, Baja men's who let the dogs out. There was a uh, LFO's life is good which is a guilty pleasure if I ever had one. Um, every other time from that album is probably still one of my top 10 songs of all time. I'm not kidding. Um, <laughs> it just brings me such unbridled joy and has since I was like four years old. Um, 
I remember <laughs> I was sitting in the car one time and every other time was on the radio and I sang it and I I was like performing it for my mom and I was like, Mom, do you think I could be a singer? I sound so good. And she was like, I don't know, Dylan. Uh, it sounds pretty good. And I remember being like, wait, did I not sound as good as I thought I did? <laughs> and my music career died then. Yeah, but yeah, she let me down easy. Let down. Yeah. yeah, that's funny, man. And now that, now that you say that too, it makes me start thinking about other like albums that I just listened the wheels off of. I listened to that first Lit album. I listened the fucking wheels off that album. It's the same time I was listening to like Sugar Ray's 1492. I played the wheels off that shit. And I'm fucking, I'm, just, I'm so embarrassed of it now because, uh, and when I was freshman in college, Sugar Ray played a free concert at my college. And I was like, no fucking way I'm going to that. I don't want to listen to Sugar Ray. <laughs> Yeah, but, but it, it, it's weird because, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, like I was thinking like uh, Eve, the Eve 6 album that had like the fly on the front of it. I don't remember what it's called, but I listened to the one with uh, Hard in a Blender, Watch It Spin Around to a Beautiful Oblivion, whatever that album is. I don't remember what it is. Um, so there was an Eagle Eye Cherry. And really the one that there are two that really stick out because I played them while I, I while I was playing video games all the time was 1492 by Sugar Ray and the Beastie Boys anthology. I played the fuck out of that dude. And I, I, I had this, I've always had this huge love of hip hop from a very young age. And, um, the Beastie Boys were the only guys doing hip hop that looked like me. So I was like enthralled with the Beastie Boys and I played, I like legitimately played that every single day. That Beastie Boys anthology. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember my neighbor had like a Beastie Boys album and my parents wouldn't let me listen to it. So I had to go over to his house and listen to it. Mm -hmm. It was bad boy music. Um, (laughs) But I also was a huge Backstreet Boys advocate. Oh, yeah. I remember those were probably the first cassettes I had. The the band's first album is, I think, a self-titled and had like the, the cheesiest like 90s boy band cover. And I loved it. And I loved the self-titled Millennium in Black and Blue. Like, the excitement I had when Black and Blue came... Or, Black and Blue and Millennium. Like, I got Millennium right around New Year's for Christmas. And it was like, let's freaking go. Like, can you remember (laughs) that? Like, can you imagine knowing an album's out and you have to wait to get it for Christmas like that. Yeah, dude. Thinking about how impatient I am with music now is just like, it's crazy. Yeah, dude. It's, I used to love getting CDs for Christmas. Like fucking, I remember waiting to, cause I asked for uh red hot chili peppers, blood, sex, sugar, magic for Christmas. And then when I got it, I was like fucking so stoked. And I was starting to get into like Bob Marley and I got like a, a six disc Bob Marley collection that I listened the wheels off of. And it was just so fucking exciting because that was the only way we had to listen to this shit back in the day. And it's like, I said back in the day, Jesus Christ. Um, like when we were young. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's just something I didn't ex- come into this episode with any expectations. I didn't take notes. But this flood of nostalgia I'm experiencing right here in this moment, it really, really makes me wish we were kind of still in that era because there's, there's, I think that's why I have such a deep, deep love for music because I didn't have easy access to it. And it made me really have to be very selective with what I listened to and what I decided that I was either going to spend my money on or what I was going to ask for for my birthday or Christmas. 
And I mean, Napster changed all of that, obviously. But until then, man, it's like, what what do I like on the radio? What do I like on MTV? I can only get like one or two CDs for for Christmas. What am I going to ask for? And so, like, there's this there was this excitement about getting an album and then playing it over and over and over and over and over again. And I kind of miss that, man. I really do. And I, I love the ease of like digital downloads and stuff, or like not even downloads, but just having a huge like an endless digital library on Spotify. But it almost also makes it really hard for me to find things that I love because if my ADHD kicks in, right? It's like, oh, this is cool. But now it makes me want to listen to this. And then it reminds me of this. And it's all right there at my fingertips rather than just forcing me to listen to that album because it's all I had to listen to. Right. Yeah. That a related artist doesn't start as soon as the album ends. It goes right back to mm-hmm. track one. And it is funny to think about how much time we've spent with some of these albums that we're so embarrassed of now definitely more than some of I've spent more time with LFO than I've spent with some of my favorite artists of all time. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it is interesting to to think about how, how limited we were until the internet and then the internet just kind of opened everything up completely. Um, which do you re- speak? Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. you go ahead. Do you remember the first song you downloaded illegally or just in general? Yeah, I do actually, and we just talked about it. It was "Hey Y'all" by Outcast. Oh, jeez, really? Yeah. God damn, that makes me feel old, man. That's two thousand three. Yeah, but I was on I was on Napster in like ninety eight, dude. <laughs> like I was I was like one of the first people. I'm not one of the first people, but I was in that front wave of Napster, and like the, I I still remember to this day because Significant Other had just dropped, and uh. Nookie was the first song I ever downloaded. Hmm. So, yeah, you are showing your yep. age. And yeah, I think we're going to defer a little bit, like especially when I got into junior high, because, you know, Napster, LimeWare, I remember all those things. And we we used it kind of sparingly. I remember using it a lot in the beginning and then it crashed our computer. And I think it kind of spooked me and my brother. And we were like, we're not going to use this anymore. And so ethically i decided i was going to use itunes and itunes controlled my life up until i switched to spotify in 2013 2014 yeah so it was it was probably some of my favorite times was on itunes because that was like the modern spotify or the modern social media like itunes had this whole world where you could go on their main page and you can scroll through artists and there was a free Friday download. So every Friday there were a new artist. You can go in there and get them for free and download their music and listen to it. And that's how I heard, um, oh man, I can't even remember the name of the song, but it was huge. It ended up being on the radio a bunch. And I was like, I remember this was on free Friday download like three months ago. And, yeah. um, it just, it was so fun. And so like you talked about like getting a, um, a CD for Christmas. Some of my most cherished Christmases were like, when family members didn't know what to get me, so they got me a $15 iTunes card, and I was king. Yeah. I would go home and just, like, scour, because, like, I could buy an album and three singles, because singles were, like, a $1.29. Um, it was just, I don't know, man. Like, that was some of my happiest times listening to music, and I, list, I found so many cool bands, because the same way Spotify, like, shows you related artists, 
if I found an album I really loved and I bought it and then I'd look at the related artists and then it would just like send you down the rabbit hole. And I found some of my favorite artists that I still listen to to, to this day through scouring of, of iTunes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Uh, it's it's So you weren't a big Winamp guy. Do you never used Winamp? I don't even know what that oh, is. Oh, man. Uh, it's it was a so it was a it was a separate music player from like whatever illegal program you were using LimeWire, Kazaa, you know Napster, whatever it was. Um, I'm sure there's a couple others I'm forgetting, but those were the big three, right? So, but Winamp was like a separate music player that you could load all your files into, and it had like fucking thousands and thousands and thousands of different skins, like all user generated and. It just compiled them into, and you can create playlists on it. Um, it was really fucking cool. So I have, a, I have a ton of my memories tied to organizing my playlists on Winamp and picking my favorite skins. And like, that's how I got to learn. Like I, that's how I became an audiophile, like a salt, like a, not a true audiophile, but like, that's how I learned to figure out like how to make, like put levels where I want them to be because it had a full equalizer on it. And I just started messing around with it for different types of music. And I kind of figured out where I'd like my equalizers to be based on my experience with that. It's kind of like, you know, any, everything in the early internet, we learned how to code because of MySpace, right? I learned how to like kind of make an equalizer sound good from Winamp. And those are things that you just don't get anymore because they're one, audio quality on Spotify and Apple music is just hi-fi already. So it already sounds good just out the box. Um, but again, back then a lot of these were ripped from CDs from people put them on the internet and you know, the audio quality was not lossless for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, you would download I, five of the same song until you got something that was even close to sounding good. Yeah. And uh, you know, it was just, it was the wild west, man. And it was such a cool time to like be discovering music because um, and you talk about getting an, uh, a gift card for Christmas. One of my favorite Christmas gifts back in that era was just a, a stack of like 30 writable CDs because then I could take my music with me. This is before like MP3 players were huge or like my parents could afford to get me one for Christmas. Um, and actually, now that I think about it, I remember one of my favorite gifts ever was in middle school. I had got a mini disc player. And I don't know if you remember those, but you couldn't like download music onto it. Like you had to like build a playlist and it was like recording a tape from the radio, but you plug the audio jack into your computer and then you hit record on your mini disc and it would write the mini disc. So I was, it was just fucking such a wild, it was around for like three years, but I fucking loved my mini disc player because I was one of the few kids at school that didn't have a big bulky CD like player. I had this little little square of a mini disc player um and i was writing all my own shit and i was like i felt like the fucking king of the castle man it was because i was always on the cutting edge right so i don't know where i'm going with this it's just more of like a stream of consciousness but no uh, i mean it kind of plays perfectly into what i was thinking about like burning cds and making mixtapes was I've been chasing that high since like (laughs) it's why we build playlists for this show. It's why Mm -hmm. when I get to know someone, I'm like, let's make a playlist together or like, Hey, I'm thinking about you. Here's a playlist that I made of songs that remind me of you or, Hey, what are you listening to? Can you send me a playlist? Like it, 
it is its own love language. And I remember like the first couple, I made a bunch of mixed CDs growing up in junior high and elementary school. But that first mixed CD that you had when you got in your car for the first time and you were driving yourself and no one was, no one else was in the car that I wish I still had that CD because that was like some of my most cherished memories. Cause that's your first time with freedom. And then you got a soundtrack uh-huh. to your freedom and just like, Oh, that was just the best man. Yeah. And let's, let's not, let's not forget the dark side of that too, where you've got a very clear objective in mind and certain songs you want on there. And then in whatever program you're using to rip the CD, you're like four and a half minutes over the, the, the time limit allowed on that CD. And you had to make some really fucking hard cuts because I know I've talked about it before. And it's probably why I'm obsessed with album construction, because I would never have the same artist twice on a, on a mixtape or a CD. And I would oh, I would spend hours making sure each song flowed into the, uh, the next one. In a, in a satisfying way i made sure there was like an eb- a rise and a fall in the album uh or the album <laughs> the, the cd i was ripping yeah i spent so much time meticulously crafting burned cds that i think it I had to appreciate music and it had to appreciate album construction and it, made, it really bothers me still to this day when an album is just like what the fuck are you doing putting the song here you know what i mean it doesn't yeah. work yeah it it means so much to both of us. It's so funny that that's like our core connection. Cause even like there were some people I went to high school with that would be like, Hey, I don't know what to listen to. Will you make me a mix CD of music that you've been into? And I'm like, yeah, I will spend the next two days <laughs> yeah. agonizing over this, but it's going to be the best two days of my life. And I would give it to them and they'd be like, this was so good. I need another one. And I'm like, Yes. Yes, I am validated through my musical taste, man. Yeah. That is it is the essence of my being was like when when you show people music and it they liked it and getting a say. Like you're not just handing them a, a record and being like, "Hey, listen to this record, let me know what you think." It was like, "I built this." And it's from song 1 to song 14 or however many you can squeeze in that 80-minute disc. That was just like that was everything. Yeah, I mean, it was usually about like 12 to 15 songs if you were really stretching it. And uh, I think that's maybe, again, why we think albums shouldn't be longer than that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) if it's longer than 80 minutes, it doesn't matter. It's weird to kind of unpack that and kind of uh, just kind of realize that for the first time. It's like, yeah, this is why I like the albums that I do. And there are some exceptions, right? Like Follow the Leader from Korn is has like 21 tracks on it or some shit like that. And that's excessive, but I I love that album. Um, But generally I want them to be about 10 to 13 tracks and I want them to all flow in a certain way um, or in a way that is interesting to listen to and not like herky jerky. And yeah, man, it's, it's, I think the way that we, we grew up in a really cool time where, we got to appreciate music in a completely different way than anyone had before and really have since because nobody's ripping CDs anymore. Nobody has to make those hard cuts and we get to do it with our playlists too. It's like we have hard cuts every week when we make playlists. So, so yeah. And it, it's, it's interesting to think about the, there, there's some people I know that like never make playlists and it blows my mind. Like that's the only way I listen to music. 
they just have liked songs in their library on Spotify and it drives me crazy. And I think it does kind of stem back to burning CDs and having everything organized on your iPod in a certain way and like having mood playlists for when like, oh, you're hanging out with the boys tonight. Let's get our, our turn up playlist going or yeah. I, I'm hanging out with a girl tonight and I'm going to take her to the movies. Let's listen to some fucking Jason Mraz. Um, but yeah, I think we can kind of put a bow on, on burning CDs, but that, I think that is probably the most important thing that happened in my musical journey. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, kind of related to that too. Uh, I don't know how you feel about the death of the MP3 player. I still yearn for a dedicated physical thing that is dedicated just to music. That's actually a great transition into what I want to talk about next. Good. Because it took me so long to like even remotely understand the concept of listening to music on my, through my phone. I'm like, why the fuck would I do that? I can't, I don't have 250 gigabytes of just room for just music. Why the fuck? Like I had, 30,000 songs on my old Zune player and it wasn't even nearly enough, right? It's like, I can always add more stuff. I can always add, I find an artist I like, I'll just add their entire discography and listen to it. Um, And I just fucking miss having that because I had to curate it, right? So it wasn't like going through Spotify and it's just kind of random or like trying to find stuff through release radar. I still had to scour for stuff that I liked. Um. And then once I liked an artist, I could put their whole discography on there and then discover what I liked from that discog. And man, I mean, I'm so sorely miss having an MP3 player. I know that makes me sound old and crotchety, but there was just something cool about this is the only thing this this piece of hardware does. And it's my most cherished, cherished possession. Like I couldn't, I, I didn't go anywhere without my MP3 player. Yeah, you couldn't leave the house without an iPod. Or a Zune. Would you have a Zune? Yeah, I never had an iPod. I always did like a different. I had another different brand. I was I actually loved it. It was awesome. I don't forget what it was called, but uh, yeah, I was I had a Zune player forever. My iPod was and still is. I have it in my house just because I hope technology catches up or something. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know what the hope is, but even just holding on to it for nostalgia, like I had, I always had like a a big room for iPod. And it's interesting to hear you say that because I remember having, when you switched, like iPods became obsolete. I never had like an iPod touch or anything. I always wanted the, I wanted the, the little, oh, that's, that scroll the button dude, is so addicting. The click. But when I switched to my iPhone, my iPhone didn't have that much room. I always had like a 16 gig or an eight gig phone. And you were kind of stuck. Like you had to pick what music you were going to put on your phone that day. And then you were stuck mm-hmm. with that music. It was kind of like you went back in time, but the iPod was so important because you could put your entire discography, everything you had on iTunes into this thing. And then you could put all your playlists. It's basically what Spotify is now. You could go yeah. in there and even like you could, I remember my, one of my buddies, Daniel, he's such a huge part of my musical journey when we worked together at Under Armour, he would say, hey, when we close at the retail store we worked at together, when we close, um, take my iPod. He had like the classic iPod, the black one. Mm-hmm. Had like 250 gigs like you were saying. He's like, go back there and go through my music on your break and just like press and hold the, the song and it'll add it to a playlist. And I'll name it later called like Dill's Playlist. 
And so I would go through his discography and make a playlist and we would listen to it after we closed. And it was, oh, it was so good. It made closing, like I looked forward to it and I wanted to do it every night. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, uh, I don't know, man. There's just, I still like don't love listening to music on my phone. Like I don't listen to music near as much as I did when I had a dedicated music device because it's, there's so much other shit running on my phone. It's like, I don't know, man. It just, it, it gets distracting almost. It's like, I can't just sit there, put music on my phone and listen to it because I want to text or I want to scroll through social media or, you know, something, I'll get a notification from YouTube or whatever. And I'll like, it'll distract me. So it's like, that was like the last pure listening music experience that I really had was with my, with my Zune player. And I, st- I still have my uh, last Zune player still too. It's, it's transferred to the glove box of every single car I've owned since, since I stopped using it and I'll never, it'll always be in my car. No it matter ha- what car it has all the music on it still. In- I, I mean, it's long dead. The, uh-huh. the hardware for the Zunes was absolute garbage, dude. I went through fucking billions of those things. Yeah. <laughs> bought so many, so many different Zunes because the hardware sucked. The software was fucking amazing. Um, but the, the hardware was actually just made of absolute dog shit. Yeah. But, um, so I'm sure it's bricked, but I, I just like having it. I like the weight of it. Like it was such a nice weight. And I just like looking at it from time to time and thinking, man, I fucking miss this thing. The past reminds us that the scars are real. Just looking at That's it, right. like mm. we had some good times, <laughs> didn't we, little guy? Um, <laughs> I even do that with old iPhones. I don't know why, but um, yeah, like remember that time I broke this phone over something stupid. Um, but yeah, kind of to to put a bow on iP- iPods and Zooms and all that. Like there were so many so quickly. Like there was an mm-hmm. iPod clip. I want to say was what it was called. Yeah. It was like a little one, didn't have a, a anything you could see. It was just like pause, forward, volume. And it was like real little. You could clip it and go running, which I used it for, and I love that. And even um, the iPod Nanos were awesome, the iPod Classics. I never had one, but I was always so jealous of people because they were significantly more money. But mm-hmm. it was just like th- between that and iTunes, that was living, like – I remember a girl told me one time, hey, if I give you my iPod, can you download or can you put all your music on my iPod? It was my girlfriend at the time in high school. And so, and so I did it. And she, after we broke up, she asked my little brother, like, hey, do you think Dylan will update my iPod? And I was like, <laughs> no, absolutely not. You, <laughs> you lose the music access when you lose me, baby. That's fucking awesome, dude. What a what a petty piece of shit you were. <laughs> I I think I was just like, no, you know what? There there's perks of dating me, right? You, my, <laughs> yeah. Access to my music is part of that. Yep, I don't have the nice car, but I, I've got a goddamn good fucking collection of music. So and mm-hmm. you lose that, sweetie. Sorry. Yeah, and I hope she never listens because she also made me a mix CD when we broke up. And it made me, I listened to it and it was good songs, but it made me so mad. The first one was, I should have bought you flowers by Bruno Mars. And I was like, "Mm." but (laughs) not here to rehash relationships. It was just a funny anecdote. Um, So yeah, I I think, do you have anything else that you remember from that kind of era? Um, No, I I think we kind of covered it all. Just, I just miss it. I do too. 
I don't know when it happened, but I remember the transition into iPhones and getting music on your phones. But um, really the most important thing for me was like getting to curate playlists at work. And yeah. I still have some of my old work playlists from when I worked retail. So like um, my district manager gave me approval to, for the last two hours, I could play music as long as there weren't curse words. So that was so many playlists that I made. And I was like, if I close three nights this week, I got to have three different playlists, even though I'm going to be working with different people and they're not going to know the difference. Like I took it very seriously and it was a lot of fun to like listen to the song and be like, does it have a cuss word? And lyrics weren't as accessible. So you had to listen to the whole song. And if it said one, you're like, shit, all right, moving on. And it was just like, that was so much fun for me and doing like, when we did like overnights to do like uh, floor sets, there was like a 12 hour playlist that my buddy Daniel and I would make. And it, it, we tried to cater to people. And I remember that that's a lot of what we do now. Like, I'm like, Hey, this is going to be a song for so-and-so if they're working the floor set with us, like I'll throw a mm-hmm. country song in there kind of to, to pander. And that was so much fun to get good feedback. Like you're doing a bunch of work and you're moving stuff around and someone's like, dude, you guys killed this playlist. Like, yeah, thank you. I feel so good about it now. Yeah, dude, I get that same kind of high. Like I do a a meeting with my team every Thursday and randomly I send a message out. I was like, hey, give me your walk-up song. And so everybody sent me up what their walk-up song would be. And I compiled a playlist and I play it every week in my meetings, like throughout the meeting. And like everybody gets so excited when their song comes on or like, who the fuck put this on there? You know what I mean? And then I have to explain. It's like, well, I I padded out the playlist a little bit. (laughs) So we didn't hear the same songs every week. Um, But yeah, I put on a fucking, uh, I put Vortex on there by Ginger and it came on last week. I was like, oh no, (laughs) I need to skip this quickly. No, No, I've got, see, I've got some metalheads on my staff, but uh, I was like, nah, this this isn't going to, this isn't going to play for the whole room. Let me. This was this was selfish of me. Yeah, and like it's like I, I it's fun having to consider, you know, thirty other people when you're building a playlist too. It's it's a lot of fun, man. And uh, yeah, I, I had a shitload of fun compiling it and like looking around the room, seeing who's like enjoying the song that's on, and like, oh, this is probably their song because I forget who submit what by this point. And uh, yeah, it was just it's a lot of fun. So yeah, that I. We we're kind of hard on on artists sometimes. Like, oh, don't think about the audience. But we can't even build a playlist without thinking about our audience. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah the, the, building the playlist and still to this day is so much fun. Um, do you remember when you started listening to like streaming services, and like when you kind of transitioned out of like having like owning music into streaming services? Yeah, it was like the first like truly adult decision I made when I was nineteen. And uh, I decided to start actually paying for the Zoom subscription service. It was $10 a month. And I was like, you know what? I'm tired of getting songs that are named incorrectly. Um, so it would have been like, what, 2006 probably um, is when I decided to first start doing a music subscription service. Because the way I saw it is like, you know what? I want to support these artists. And I'm tired of like the rigmarole of of – because like – a lot of these like the illegally downloading sites were just so filled with malware at that point. It's like, I'm going to fucking destroy every computer I own. So I'm just going to do it legit and I'm going to pay for my music again. And what it did for me was open up this whole 
new world of music exploration for me. And I, it was a truly like transformative like experience for me because again, we've already talked about it. Like we came from this era of like, you only get what you get and you only get it a few times a year. And then you have to, you have to live with that. And I went from that basically my entire childhood. Cause like I said, I was 19 when I decided to do this to having literally everything at my fingertips and it was so overwhelming and thank God for the Zune software being as good as it was with it's like, Hey, you like this guy, you might like this, this genre, or you might like this artist. It was like the, it's basically the same software that Spotify has been using was the yeah. Zune software. And it was the best fucking thing ever. And just like, I know people make fun of Zunes, but that software was so goddamn good, man. It was, it used like really, like the AI on it was really good. They had curated playlists, like, they had a radio station of genres. It was like, it was, it's legitimately Spotify, but in like 2007 and like, I'll, I, I'll never forget like how much I loved that software and really what it did to kind of transform me into a more musically literate person. Yeah. That, that's so cool to hear. Cause I didn't know anything about that. Like I didn't know all that stuff was Zoom and that's really cool. Um, I think I had the very, very early edition of Spotify. Mm -hmm. I had like the desktop version. So I think that was 2013 and it was free. You could listen to all the music you wanted. You had your own personal account. You could link it with your Facebook. Um, It was just, it was so cool. And Mm -hmm. that was the first time I got to like listen to full albums that I didn't own. And it was so bizarre to like... Hey, I'm really digging this artist. I'm going to listen to every album. And one of the first bands I remember doing that with was Modern Baseball and their album Sports because it was just coming out and I was I was scouring, you know, the the music uh emo like journalists. They all had their own like little blog websites. So, there was a one I remember it was called Property of Zach and he recommended um Modern Baseball and I was like Oh, to get in on a band like this on the the cutting room floor and they're on their debut album and they're they're playing basement shows and now they're going on tour and they're all freshmen in college. It was just like listening to that and I remember being in my first apartment in my in my shower and hearing some of those songs and being like, I've never heard anything like this and I would have not bought this album. Like mm-hmm. it changed Spotify changed my ability to hear music that I would have otherwise disregarded for sure 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 because i think even then i wasn't listening to music on youtube like Mm -mm. i I don't even i still don't listen to music on youtube and i know that it's got a huge audience and 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 youtube is huge for music but just personally it wasn't for me i don't want to sit there and have a tab open and have to keep my phone open like if I could have my laptop playing music while I'm doing something around the house or taking a shower, it was just like, it changed everything. And I remember like I was setting up furniture in my first apartment and having music playing on my laptop. It was just like that kind of changed everything for me. And I think as much as I love the nostalgia of everything that we've talked about so far, Spotify has been one of the best things for me and my music listening. Yeah, my most cherished possession is my Spotify subscription. I will 
I will give away everything in my life if I have to. And that would be the last thing I gave away would be my Spotify subscription. It's the last thing I would keep if I was forced to give away everything. Um, because music is life, man. They like they, they, It can get you through so much different shit and so many different emotions. Like what you're feeling, there's a, there's a song for that. There's an album for that. There's an artist for that. And just having everything pretty much... I don't want to say all the music ever made because I know that's not true, but a fucking huge swath of it is available at your fingertips at any time. As long as you're in a place with, uh, with Wi-Fi, and fuck, if I had to cancel my phone plan, I'd just go find a fucking free hot. So I'd go sit in Starbucks and listen to music. You know what I mean? If I was a homeless guy. Yeah. And, um, yeah, man, it's just it real. I like I, I know we like you said we were pining for the past and how much we missed that, but I wouldn't. I don't think I would go back knowing what I know. Yeah, that it would be so difficult for me to enjoy music the same way I do now. Yeah, because it, and it it makes like collecting physical media fun. It's not as stressful. Yeah. Like I've got to go find this album because it's the only way I can listen to it. On the flip side. I'm going to listen to this album on my phone a thousand times. And then when I'm ready and I go see them live, I can go purchase this vinyl and go home and, and put it on for like special occasions. Like it, it kind of changes physical media, makes it a little more special. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, it's, I'm, I'm getting a little misty eyed about it just because it's, it's talking about the journey through our musical past and like realizing like how good we have it now. Um, knowing where we came from, like seeing like how our love of music kind of developed because we, it was, it was, uh, it was born out of, I don't want to say struggle. That's not the right word, but it was born out of like a, I need to consume this and there's only one way to do it. And it's, it's not the most efficient way to do it, but now it's the most efficient way to do it. And it makes me appreciate what I have in Spotify and these streaming platforms so much more. And, uh, I fucking yeah, I, I I am so happy I live in an era where Spotify was available. Think about the whole of human history and how important music's been throughout all of it. And this is the only time in that entire ten thousand year human history that Spotify has been a thing. That's fucking wild. What? A, how lucky are we, dude? Right. It, it's it's mind blowing. Yeah, I didn't think we would get there. I didn't. I didn't have any any goals for this episode besides just being able to talk about. <laughs> the evolution of music because we've kind of towed around it in, in episodes here and there. But yeah, I think the final evolution for me is, you know, like you said, Spotify and especially having it on your phone. I like having it on the TV, but I also like having yes. it on my phone and like taking a speaker and leaving my phone downstairs and like taking a speaker upstairs and just like putting clothes away or painting or, you know, having your phone away and, and still being able to listen to the music that you have unlimited access to and yeah driving driving is oh god dude. just the most important because you're not looking at your phone you can't be distracted all you have is the steering wheel what you're looking at on the road and what you're hearing and mm-hmm. we've we've beat that horse to death talking about how much we love driving and listening to music but it is the best way to to consume music i agree i 100 percent agree with that man because i don't want to call driving a mundane task but if you're doing it for long enough, it doesn't, you don't really pay attention. Like what to every, it's kind of like breathing, right? Like you need to do it, (laughs) 
but you're so used to doing it. You don't really think about, oh, I need to turn the wheel this much to make this turn, right? And you just kind of know instinctively. It's like, okay, I need to have this much foot, foot on the gas. I need to have this much turn on the wheel to make it this turn correctly. So your mind is occupied on doing something mundane. So you can really focus on what's coming into your ear, right? And especially when you're driving by yourself, you could turn it up as loud as you want and you can listen whatever you want and you can really kind of absorb what's going on on all different levels. And it's, it's great, man. There is something to that too. It's like, that's why Einstein worked in a patent office, man. He came up with his, the beginnings of all of his theories working in a patent office. So he could do something kind of mundane to occupy like the intrusive thoughts and he could focus on what he was really trying to focus on. And like, that's what driving is for me in music. So yeah. I do so much of my like critical thinking and like thinking Mm -hmm. of the big picture while I'm driving and listening to music. And it sounds almost like melodramatic, but I, I really do think like that is so important to my human existence is being able to like, and I'm so defensive of music. I listen to while I drive. Like if we're sitting around on around a bonfire and we, play music and it's not a song i drive with whatever i can do the three minutes if i'm driving and i don't like the song i immediately skip it you know because it can be so important like i talked about there was a a rough patch i was going through in the fall and i heard that song um end of beginning by joe while i was driving and it like was like i was so happy to be alive in that moment it was just like the Mm -hmm. perfect culmination of things and it just happened to be that song and it happened to be when i was coming up over the the bridge and it was just like damn dude i love being able to drive through a place that you've driven through a thousand times and being like i remember when i was listening to this song and i was thinking about this and it just felt so good so you listen to the song again and you kind of get that that hit of of memories again so mm-hmm. yeah man fucking um so here's one thing i want to ask you because i think i have most of my answers so do you have like it's let's call it like a top five put you on the spot here of not maybe most influential songs in your life but songs that like are the mile markers for like a shift in your musical taste or the way you listen to music like, what are the times where you like, okay, I am grown as a music listener because of this song, and it, or it sent you down a path of something you weren't expecting? Yes. Do you want, you want me to just go through them, or do you want to go first? No, well, you can go. Okay. So, very first one, off the rip, uh, I was in seventh grade on the bus, and a girl showed me My Friends Over You by Newfound Glory, and that changed my entire trajectory like that's an entire genre that i still love to this day and hearing it it was like whoa what is this like this is not anything i've been listening to and i it was just really cool um a second one mayday parade there was a lesson in romantics it's so dramatic it's it's about heartbreak and like i hadn't even experienced it yet but i was like dude i'm kind of excited for my first breakup because <laughs> this uh-huh. shit is cool yeah, right um third one would probably be when I got into metalcore and I heard A Day to Remember for the first time. And there was that Homesick album just really jarred something in me. Like, it doesn't have to be a super cutesy singer or a super, like, it could be so much more than what I was listening to at the time. Um, 
after that, it gets a little muddy. I, I think probably John Mayer when I got into college, really learning to appreciate that and all the music he had. Um, cause it was like, I've been listening to rock. I've been listening to all this stuff. And then it was like singer songwriter, a guy that like didn't, uh, that took his lyrics very seriously. That was really cool. And he was so good. And so had so much suave. And then after that, Hmm. I guess recency bias. I'll give you something semi-current, Bill Murray, because I thought I'd mm-hmm. heard every genre. I thought I'd heard every style of music I could ever like, and then Bill Murray ruined a lot of other music in my life because it's so heavy, but it's so poppy, and it's so it's everything I love about music and and one artist, and the whole discography is like him evolving his sound to be where I'm listening now, and it's still. Like, I find myself listening to Bill Murray so much because it's, like, the exact thing at the exact time I was looking for it. So, that was kind of off the off the, off the the cuff, but I feel pretty confident about that. Yeah. I what about you? It. So, I'm going to try to do this chronologically, but I don't know if I'm going to get it necessarily correct. So, one of my earliest musical memories of being just blown away by a musical experience was seeing the video for the crossroads um by bone thugs and harmony and it was just like again i always like i said i always loved hip-hop and hip-hop culture growing up because it was again it wasn't part of the area that i grew up in right it was it was something completely different for me and i i loved like black culture growing up so hearing something like that and it just fucking blew my mind, man. And I wanted to be, I wanted to be part of that culture. And that video was super cool. Um, again, along the same lines, uh, California love with Tupac, that just seeing that, that video and the way it sounded and really falling in love with that West coast sound, um, really formed a lot of my opinions about hip hop for the rest of my life. And getting involved, you know, getting really into the East Coast, West Coast beef back when I was growing up, man, it was like it was happening, like right when I was really starting to discover a lot of music, like Biggie and Tupac died in I think 96 and 97. So it's like, that was like peak, like, oh, shit, I'm really discovering music for the first time for myself. Um, So those are my earliest memories. Again, um, uh, Boys to Men, the I'll Make Love to You video. It was just so cool to me. Like, (laughs) All this stuff that was from a culture that I didn't belong to, but I wanted to, that I loved so much, like that was huge for me. And uh, I think it kind of molded the way I saw the world too. Like I could never be a racist person because this was, I loved so much about people, like a culture of people that didn't look like me or came from a different world than me. And so there's just no chance I could ever be a racist. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's just, I've just loved so much of what that culture was in the nineties that I was like, and I think it's it, it's it's shaped a lot of who I am as an adult and the way I kind of look at the world. And it's just like it's it, the people that feel the way they do about shit like that. It just baffles me. So, um, moving on after that, again, Michael Jackson's dangerous. That was a little before that, but growing up with Michael Jackson um, was huge for me because that, to me, again, it shaped what I think pop should sound like. And I think that's why I like Justin Timberlake so much because he kind of took that same kind of style and same thing with Bruno Mars and anybody who does like a 
more adult contemporary pop, I'm really a huge fan of because Michael Jackson was a pop star that didn't have, I mean, yeah, he had like adoring like teenage girl fans, but everybody loved Michael Jackson. Everybody loved him. Yeah. And like, I don't remember the last time there was a huge pop star. Like, I mean, yeah, I guess you get Taylor Swift, but again, a lot of his, a lot of her fans are like teenage and college age girls. It, that's that's the main bulk of her fan base but it wasn't like that every every person from every age range every color creed religion loved michael jackson for his music and regardless of what you think of the man his music is will never be topped in the realm of pop so um so talking about metal i know i talk a lot of shit about these albums but load for metallica was huge for me um because I was a little too young to really get into the Black Album when it first came out, but Load, I was old enough to really love and really listen to an album for the first time. Um, so, I, I mean, I knew I was a metalhead. I've always loved metal through Jason, and he was having me listen to Guar and stuff like that already. Um, after that, my next big middle, metal experience was finding accidentally the Roots Bloody Roots album by Sepultura. Because the, the way that CD looked, looked very much, very similar to my Beastie Boys anthology CDs. It was a similar pattern, similar color style. So I just threw it in my CD player one day and it fucking rocked my shit. It was like, this is not what I was expecting, but I made it through the whole album. And I was like, that was a fucking religious experience. I don't know what this is. I don't know who it is. All I know is I fucking loved it. So I actually, yeah, I asked him like, what is this? Did you leave this here accidentally? And he's like, oh shit yeah <laughs> and he kind of explained to me who it was and i just have been in love with heavier metal since then and i know I, I said i'd do a top five but i'm just going through like musical milestones in my life um but the next big one again kind of similar to you with john mayer it was in either late senior year or early college when i discovered jeff buckley's grace album and i listened to it all the way through and i cried and I, I never really experienced a, an album like that before. And everything about him I became obsessed with. And to this day, I think everybody knows, like, it's in my top three albums of all time. Yeah. And I, I just, I'll, I forever remember the first time I heard that album front to back. It was, it must have been in college because we were in the house that we built while my senior year of high school was going on. And... I was in that where our, where our computer was and I just played it through and I just sat there in silence and just let the record play through. And it kind of changed because, again, I was really into metal. I was starting to get into a little bit of EDM, but not really. Um, but that kind of changed to me to like, oh, OK, there is more stuff out there than what my childish brain has thought me. Like, this is the only good music out there. Um, last one I'll kind of talk about here because there's been a lot of other watershed moments for me, but. The same house Jason was living with us at the time, um, and we would listen to the metal station on satellite TV. Uh, I forget what it was actually called, but um, he came running down from his little room above the garage. And he's like, dude, turn on the metal station right now. And what it was, it was um, Global Warming by Gojira um, from the Mars to Sirius album. And it, we were both like, this is the coolest shit we've ever heard in our life. And just having that moment with my older brother who like 
would always show me stuff that he really knew about already. And he's like, Hey, you got to listen to this. You got to listen to this, but to discover a new band together with the guy who f- formed so much of my musical taste. And we just got to experience this super cool, like tappy riff from global warming. And then I listened to the full album and I was like, what the fuck is this dude? I remember just sitting on my couch when uh, I think the song's called uh, where dragons fall. And there's a part in that song where it just gets so epic. And I remember sitting on my couch, laying down on my couch, just putting my hands on my head and just like <laughs> saying to myself, I like, can't what deal. the fuck? I can't deal. And it was just, from Mars to Sirius, is still, again, one of my favorite albums of all time. I think it's a, a really almost a perfect metal album. And yeah, that that's a huge watershed moment for me. I've had a ton of them, but those are the ones that really stick out in my mind. Yeah, something about what you said kind of reminded me of another one. And I don't want to just like keep sharing anecdotes yeah, like that over and over. But we're, we're wrapping it up. We're good. right. That uh, forget and not slow down by Reliant K. Um, we mm-hmm. talked about it. I think in the fall around the time it was getting close to like thirteen years old. Came out from a band that like had traditionally done like Christian rock, and they dropped this album. Not shitting you, like probably two weeks after I go through like the first major breakup of my life. And I say major, but it was like the first girl that broke my heart. So it was just like that felt like music is not only like something I listen to when I enjoy it. Music can be so much more like it's catharsis and helping you like navigate your own feelings. And that was the first time I really had something that I needed music to help me get through, right? Like, I don't know what I would have listened to otherwise, because even now, this year, I went through a breakup, and first thing I do is play that album, because it's like, it gives you clarity, it gives you levity, it gives you a reminder to not hold in your anger and find healthy ways to navigate it. It was just like, that is probably the most important album to me for that reason, because it, it taught me a lot about breakups that are super healthy. And I learned it at like 17 years old. Yeah. And th- that made me think of something too. Like, I think you'll agree with me on this too, but I think, you know, when you, I think the moment you go from being just familiar with somebody or an acquaintance with somebody. And when you go to becoming like in a deeper form of a relationship with somebody is the first time they share music with you like unprompted. They're like, Hey, I think you would like this. That's such a beautiful moment in any sort of friendship relationship, whatever you want to call it. It's like, Hey, I think you should listen to this because that says a, a couple different things. They're being vulnerable with their, with their music. Right. But it also is like, Hey, I listened to the song and it made me think of you. And that's, that's a deep, that's deeper than it sounds on the surface when they're like, Hey, you should listen to this. To me, that means, hey, I thought of you when I was listening to this song, and I couldn't wait to tell you about it. And to me, that's something. It's uh, maybe I'm thinking, maybe I'm thinking too deep about it. Maybe no. that's just me, but that's that to me is always like a super special moment. And anytime I'm talking to somebody new for the first time, and it's like, okay, sick. Yeah. Again, like you said, I don't know. I don't think you know what you've gotten yourself into here, but fucking thank you. Like this kind of validates what I've been feeling too. So it's like. Hell yeah. Like, let's, let's go. Let's, let's take it there. Yeah. I I actually saw a TikTok not that long ago about like, why do people get so angry when you shit on something you love? So I think when we first started doing the podcast, I was so nervous to show you things. 
and because like if you didn't like it it's so intrinsically tied like my music taste yep. is intrinsically tied to who i am as a person and so if you don't like this you don't like me or i f- it makes me feel like what i like isn't good I, and it's an interesting thing about all hobbies and all things you enjoy but music specifically for me like it's so important to know how people feel about things that you enjoy because it's like mm-hmm. how compatible are we or do you are you going to tolerate me if you aren't going to tolerate my music it's 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 very deep and this got very psychological or like philosophical and i love it yeah man i just uh, i don't know it's for something about something about what you were just talking about to kind of click that in my head but yeah man it's a special moment in in two people's journey together when you when you share music for the first time so yeah yeah man uh what do you what else you got we want to wrap it up here yeah let's wrap it up that was so much fun i'm so glad we did this yeah me too man i'm bummed it's coming out way later now (laughs) (laughs) yeah i know i kind of want to put it out now but hey it's now when you're listening to it so i hope you enjoyed it again i didn't take any notes for this i didn't really have any plans for where it was going to go uh so hopefully it's it's fun for everybody to listen to to men of a certain age reminiscing about shit a lot of you probably don't remember. <laughs> so yeah, it's, um, it's coming out kind of at the perfect time because I'm going to be going and meeting our friend Mason for the first time, and you know, getting to see one of the bands I mentioned, Newfound Glory, where I'm going to get to see them live for the umpteenth time and get to see the Starting Line, which was such a pivotal band. And I don't, I'm really excited for that because it's it's uh it's not just a, a little trip to Tampa. It's getting to meet a buddy that I've known pretty well and we talk to every day and getting to see bands that were very formative so it's kind of perfect oh yeah man that's cool but uh thanks for listening guys uh i don't know the order this is going to be out so i'm not even going to try to pretend um (laughs) we don't know like usual what we're doing for next week so yeah um (laughs) do you want to throw out a a song of the show oh boy this is a little Um, it'll be like a little time capsule Okay, sure. Um, do you have one prepared? Oh, I got one. I got one right away. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, the Devil Wears The Devil Wears a Suit and Tie by Joshua Quimby. Um, I'm fucking obsessed with Joshua Quimby. This just came out recentish. Uh, I think it was on last week's release radar from whatever that is from where this releases. Whatever. Um, love Joshua Quimby. He sounds like a pack of Marlboro Reds, uh, and he makes really fucking cool Americana country. Hell yeah, dude. We listened to it, I think, before we recorded one of our other episodes. Um, mm-hmm. I can't remember which one I like the most, but Group Love put out a new album. And I'm going to just say Malachi by Group Love. Okay. Um. Yeah, and I can't wait to... <laughs> later on, I'm going to be like, what song did I pick? But <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. we're going to feel that way in, in like a month or so. So I'm... I love the album. I put it on when I was uh, getting ready the other day and it was, it was awesome. So Mm. um, yeah, Malachi by group love. So yeah. Thanks for listening guys. And uh, we'll see you next week. Bye.